You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Thursday, and today you'll hear an episode from our Takeover series. Every month, we ask a different practitioner or thought leader to host a series of interviews that cover a specific theme that's relevant to our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram here. Welcome to another takeover series for the Flip My Funnel podcast. I'm here with a very good friend of mine. Over the last year, I think we have connected on so many different levels, a part of the peak community, part of the Flip My Funnel. And I've also been using their services for a lot of the things that I produce in terms of video. So Amber, Amber Khan, she's the founder of Repurpose Den. She's an international best-selling author. And she also, this would get you, she's also an average runner. I think you're better than me, Amber. But Amber, thank you for, for joining me uh, and doing this series. Oh, thank you for having me. All right. So Amber, tell me and tell the audience, what is the name of your series and what is this series all about? All right. Well, this particular series is called Impactful Living. And the reason being, this is a series where we feature purpose-led leaders who are making a meaningful impact through their work and touching and changing lives of many. I love that. I love that. You know, what's interesting about it is that we have a lot of episodes on marketing, and I think this is going to give people a necessary break because ultimately, whatever you do, you got to have impact. So share a few people that you are going to interview and the topics that you're going to interview on uh, in the series. Yeah, sure. So just one of them uh, is, is Claude Silver, who talks about building a culture of empathy. Then I have Mary Henderson. She based, is based in Australia, and she talks about how to commercialize your expertise into a profitable business, which a lot of us you know, struggle with, especially those who are pivoting from, say, a corporate career and now looking into starting their own business. And then I am, I'm going to have uh, Daniel Priestley, who is the author of multiple books, one of them being Key Person of Influence, The Entrepreneurship Revolution. And with him, we're going to talk about some awesome stuff. He's just published yesterday a new book called um, How to Raise Entrepreneurial Kids. And, and we're going to talk a lot about that. Wow. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, almost every one of this sounds like a story worth going through. Uh, one of the things, and this is where we're going to end because this is going to be an introduction. So folks, as you're listening to this, you may be listening to the first interview that Amber did, maybe the last one. There's a whole series of about 10 or so that we're going to have in for you and we'll play every Tuesday and Thursday in the series. So if, if and it will tell you if this is the one, the first episode, or is this the eighth episode? So you can go figure out if you need to go back and watch some of or listen to some of these video interviews. But what's interesting, Amber, about all of this is there's a question that uh, Angie Stanley, someone that I follow, says in his book, Better Decision, Fewer Regrets. Mm. And he asked this very question that what story are you going to tell? And that is a very interesting question when you start going back in life, because each one of us has a story that we want to tell. And there is a story that people are writing right now that they don't know. And, and I think people need to recognize that. So I love the fact that you're creating this impactful living series that's going to help people to recognize and come out of their shell maybe a little bit and recognize that they have a story to tell. They're going to tell that story to their kids, their grandkids, or, or their neighbor or somebody. And hopefully the interviews that you're going to do is going to 
have them thinking about this and actually start writing their own story the way they want to. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the idea with all each one of those interviews is that I want people to go with at least one takeaway that they can implement right in their life just by listening to, you know, the guest stories or the challenges that they share during those interviews. And if we can just make a difference in one person's life, I know it would be all worth it. I love it. And again, this is what I love about this, this takeover series. You get such a different perspective. And Amber, you also bring in a global perspective because you have people from all over the world who are interviewing in the series. So Amber, again, thank you so much for doing it. All the information to connect to Amber, her company, her book, uh, and all the things that she does is going to be in the show notes. So check that out. And Amber, let's take it away. Awesome. Good day, greetings, ciao, namaste, and salams to peeps from all around the world. Welcome to the live. Now, this particular series is called the Impact 2.0 Show. This show features purpose-led leaders who are making a meaningful impact through their work and touching and changing lives of many. Stick around till the end, and I promise you that you'll walk away with at least one, if not more, practical yet scrumptious takeaways from each of these live sessions, like an ice cream sundae topped with heavy whipped cream, melted dark chocolate, and a dash of gold dust. But most importantly, if you turn up live, you'll get a chance to ask each guest questions that are bugging you like an itch that can't be scratched. Now, my today's guest believes that the purest human need is to be known, and it's EQ that will get us there. She believes that humanity and empathy are needed daily at work and in our personal lives, especially now while facing today's challenges. She says, employees are human first, and somewhere along the line, we forgot about this. And that's where she comes in as a role of chief heart officer with Wayner Media. She's made it her purpose to bring empathy to organizations, create a feeling of belonging, and celebrate joy. All with one goal in mind, make people love their jobs more every single day, even during a period of quarantine. So will you please put your virtual hands together to welcome my fantabulous guest, Claude Silver. <laughs> Hi. All right, Claude, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. That was a phenomenal intro. Thank you. <laughs> well, you deserve it. It's all you. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. Now, uh, before we get into the cheese and mac of the conversation, we are going to start off the show with a quick fire round. Are you ready, Claude? Born ready. Let's go. If you could guest star in any TV show, what would it be and who would you play? Oh, my gosh. That's so good. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so, so good. All right. Shit's Creek. Okay. Shit's Creek. Um, it, I would want to be David because it's so not my personality that I <laughs> give it a shot. And yeah. be David. Shit's totally Creek. Makes sense. Oh, Shit's great all the way. Got it. When you were a kid, what did you want to, to be when you grew up? Two things. I wanted to be a philanthropist until I learned that you had to have loads and loads of money. <laughs> um, and uh, I wanted to be a movie director. Movie director. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Name three people you would like to share the stage with or would love to interview. Um, Brene Brown. Oh, yes. Uh, Michelle Obama. Oh, yes. And let's go big 
and say His Holiness the Dalai Lama. Oh, wow. Awesome. Awesome peeps. All right. If you could read one book over and over for the rest of your life, what would it be? There's two of them. Can I put two in there? Yeah, sure. Okay. One is The Alchemist. Oh, yes. And the other one might be, I'm so, I'm so corny, uh, A Return to Love by Marianne Williamson. And the third, because I'm just like that, would be Where the Wild Things Are by Maurice Sendak, one of my favorite uh, children's books. All right. Awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm going to make, well, I've got, I've got a recording, so I'm going to go back to all of this. Oh, wait, the, other, uh, the other person I want to uh, have the stage with is uh, Amy Schumer, for sure. Amy Schumer. Oh, my God. Yeah. She yeah. is funny as hell. Yeah. Yeah. She, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Hooray. We did this. Okay. And I think we deserve a wiggle and a dance. And you might be familiar with this song. <laughs> We did it. We did it. <laughs> hello, hello. I, I, I mean, I've, I've, I've got three kids, so I've, I have heard this song over and over again for the past <laughs> eighteen years. We're, we're still in um, Baby Shark, and um, you're still on Baby Shark. Wheels on the bus. Yeah, <laughs> it's moving towards Dora. Yeah. <laughs> you wait, wait and see. <laughs> her. All right. So let's get into the cheese and mac of this conversation. Claude, could you take, imagine that I'm holding um, a pair of gloves. Could you take these gloves and smash for me and not my face, please, but some kind of work culture myth, a bogus strategy, a misconception, and set the record straight once and for all? A misconception is that people that are less experienced or might be called junior should not speak up. Uh huh. The the misconception is that they are there to listen and take notes, yeah. and don't really know what they're talking about quite yet. Yeah. And 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 what what do you do instead? Like what? Like well, what? Yeah. I mean, if you're in that room, if you're invited to that meeting, you're there to to speak up, to take up space, to be curious about something, to add your POV, to add you know, to ask a question, mm. whatever. Um and great ideas come from everywhere. Oh yes. Yeah. Don't need a college degree to have yes. a great idea. You don't need to be in your forties to have a great idea. You don't need to be in a certain department to have a great idea. Mm. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, you know, don't put people down just because, uh, the, uh, because of the, the title of their role. Yeah. And, well, and don't put, don't put people in boxes. Yeah. Don't put people in boxes. That's awesome. Really now, just a side note here for everyone. We are streaming uh, to LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube simultaneously. Uh, and if for some reason the LinkedIn stream plays up, which it can sometimes, you can continue over at Facebook or YouTube. I will ask my assistant, who is also known as my son, Daniel, to <laughs> drop the links in the comments. Um, Daniel, why don't you, why don't you show, quickly show your face to Claude as well. Hi, Claude. He's been my assistant, my right-hand man for since he was a little boy. I love him. Uh, he, he actually filmed and photographed my very first speaking gig at age 14. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. So such an entrepreneur. Such, uh, Natural <laughs> entrepreneur. <laughs> so All right. Make sure you drop the links um, in the comments. All right. Um, 
Claude, for those um, of our viewers and listeners who've not heard of you, which is very unlikely, but still, could you briefly explain what does the chief heart officer does? And most importantly, why do you do what you do? Okay, well, I do what I do because I love people. I am kind of obsessed with everyone's ability to unlock, to find potential and to you know be their best self. I think that that's something I'm obsessed with. I am also very obsessed with the kind of the exquisite mess that we all are. And I say mm. mess uh, kindly. I really do. Mm. Because it's, uh, it's not always easy being a human, is it? No. Yeah. You know, I love, I love, I think that we're magical creatures and I love all of the, the pain and the pleasure and the journey. That's that. Yeah. And the other part is a chief heart officer. So my role, my job description is to infuse empathy throughout the entire organization and touch impact every single employee. So we're about 900 people now. Wow. So my job is to have feelers out and know what the heartbeat is, not only of the culture, the company, but of the individuals. And so that requires me leaning in and being extremely high touch to ensure that I have that, I have that feel, I have that vibe. And that's, you know, I, I speak to and listen to and hold space for many, many, many people uh, a day and certainly on a, on a weekly basis. So I love, I love it. I love the journey. I really, really do. And at the end of the day, we're a company. And so getting people to a place where they feel like they can unlock so that they can spread their wings and do great things in this company is only going to be great for our company as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I I think, I mean, Winner Media is just one of those companies that we know of that uh, as uh, you know, who've changed uh, and adopted to this culture. Where in in the corporate world, uh, it still does not exist, um, and um, it's it's very much like you know, leave your life at home when you come to work. Don't bring the stress to work. Don't bring, which is insane. Yeah, I mean, that's a real myth that we need to that we need to bust with the gloves because um, there is no separation between who we are today at home and who we are when we go in the office, other than the separation that we feel like we need to put on ourselves. Mm-hmm. The armor that we, we feel like we need to put on ourselves because, you know, you just don't know what you're going to get when you walk yeah. in the door. And we need to dismantle that completely. Yeah. So, I mean, you've got such a huge team. You just said 900 plus. How do you know how your people are feeling? Do you have one-to-ones with them? Um, Is it group sessions? And how do you manage it? Yeah. So both. I do one-on-ones and group sessions. And then I have a team that scales me that is overseeing their own departments of, you know, 100, 200 people. Mm -hmm. Um, My one-to-ones are 15 minutes. They're either proactively, I'm reaching out to people for a variety of reasons, whether or not I have an intuition about something, I heard that someone's struggling, I want to talk to all of the people that joined during COVID, because I think that's extremely courageous Mm -hmm. and a real experience. Um, Proactively, people reach out to me and want to get time with me, get to know me, want to talk through something. They don't see me necessarily as HR. Right. uh, which is great. So they know that we're going to have a, a conversation about things that might not be policy driven or certainly things that are off the record. Yeah. And, and then I have group sessions and those are really a lot of, cult, I call them culture jam sessions. They're like um, where I get 
a variety of different people in from different departments, different geographies. We do icebreakers. We just have a chat. It's that, it's a half an hour. That's it. So yeah, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm doing all day long. And then I'm connecting people, connecting with people, you know, in leadership meetings, resourcing, operational meetings. So, uh, I mean, um, I had you, you guys, Marimita um, works with a lot of companies. Do you see that this is usually the case with a lot of other companies as well? Is it, or, you know, is it still not a norm to have these kind of, you know, uh, culture in the companies where, you know, you, you're available for one-to-one support, even one-to-one support, which is not heard of from, you know, top down. Yeah, I don't, I don't see a lot of that. I mean, we're so high touch. Gary is accessible all the time. You know, I'm accessible that, you know, giving people attention, mm-hmm. give someone attention, it, it makes them feel seen and, and, and as though they matter and it unlock, you know, serotonin in your brain, which mm-hmm. I feel good. Right. So yeah. I don't see a lot of that happening um, yet. I, my hope is that, you know, we, as we change the face of certainly human resources and as we change the face of leadership to um, encourage more empathetic leadership across the board, mm. we start to see not only that happening, we'll see the effects of people in jobs, staying at jobs longer. Retention is a big deal, you know. So it's something I'm proud of. We've got almost 80% retention right now. And yeah, it is so great. Yeah. And quite unheard of. That's pretty, pretty awesome. Okay, so uh, I mean, my next question would be then, how do you help your team members build resilience and um, like we spoke about and cope with the ups and downs of, of work and life? Um, uh, you know, as we talked about that, it's, it's, it's very hard to leave one thing for, for the other. Well, we're real about it. You know, yeah. what you see is what you get. I mean, I'm just the same me right now that I'll be in three hours that I was yesterday that, you know, I mean, it's we're very, um, I think, transparent and authentic about who we are and what we go through. You know, the fact is, is like you're looking in on my living room right now and I'm looking in on your, you know, your living room right now. And, and there's a level of vulnerability hmm. there because we're all at home dealing with uh, COVID and the pandemic and, and hmm. we're having a shared experience. Yeah. Leaning in on the fact that we're having a shared experience and talking about that hmm. first foremost is like that's that's like table stakes you have to be you have to be doing that hmm. you have to be acknowledging what is hmm. if you don't you're living in some kind of fairyland and uh no one is going to succeed in fairyland because it doesn't it's not real so hmm. no so we talk about the you know the real deal we're very transparent about where we are as a company where our finances are where we want to be uh, the effects that COVID had on us, uh, the you know those types of things. So, see, meeting people in an authentic place and meeting people where they are is mm-hmm. key. Not where I am, where they are, where they are. I think I've often heard you in other videos talk about energy management. Would so that would be the same what you've just spoken about that it's about managing the energy of all the people coming into. Yeah, that is that is part of what I mean by energy management. The other part of energy management is something that we all need to pay attention to right now mm-hmm. as so much of our life is on screen. Mm-hmm. And we all have that, that fatigue from being virtual all the time and on video camera. So that type of energy management is knowing to take a micro break and, and mm-hmm. saying, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to crush my work for the next 90 minutes and then I'm going to get up and I'm going to walk away from my computer mm-hmm. so I can 
cognitively just like chill, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to get a breath of fresh air. I'm going to go make a, a coffee because in the office, you get that um, disconnect by getting up, walking down the hall, going and get a coffee, mm-hmm. you know, going out for lunch. But at home, it's very rare that you do that. Yeah. 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 You have to actually, I, we all have reminders. I have reminders in my phone, like every 15 minutes, get up, you know, stand up or, you know, just, just move the body a bit. Yeah. Get up, stand up, stand up. Yeah. For your- shake it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Shake all right. With, I mean, with this huge team of what, 900 plus people, I'm sure that you must get into some hairy moments, you know, just dealing with day-to-day stuff. What have you learned from those? Uh, Were there any surprises? How did you deal with it? Well, you know, I think what we're noticing now is that we've had COVID. We've had George Floyd, Black Lives Matter, the election in the States. Even just those four things, which are massive things that have we've not seen in my lifetime, hmm. that shakes a person and a community to its core, and that brings up an enormous amount of anxiety. So I think what I've seen to answer that question is a, the the need to really lean in and be providing mental health resources. And mm-hmm. so, you know, we're certainly not doctors at VaynerMedia, but we care about people, and so making sure that we are providing certain things that will at least alleviate some of that for people is really important. And that's, that's, we're in a very different day. You know, mm, yeah. Time. If you would have asked me a year ago, what our, what our people would need, it might've been a very different answer to you. You know, right now we have to remind people, as I was just saying, to take mm. breaks. We have to remind people that, um, that it's essential to, you know, utilize some of these, uh, these virtual workout programs that we have for them or the, the mindfulness oh, wow. meditation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every Monday and Friday, they have meditation and those types of things. Um, but also I think more than anything, utilize the access that they have with Gary or the access that they have with me, because, you know, five minutes with him will make you feel like you're yeah. on the world. So you talked about you do um, um, one-to-ones and groups. So now that we've all gone virtual, is this still happening? Like you do Zoom calls? Oh, all, all day long. Oh, wow. All day long. It's, um, it's literally Google Hangout, Zoom, whatever. And it's, you know, 15 minute, 15 minute, half an hour calls. So what's your process of training your workforce into the future leaders? Well, uh, we have a number of different things that we do. First and foremost, Every single employee that's 900 plus has, has access to a life coaching platform called Inner You. Every single person. It's a pretty phenomenal uh, high-performance life coaching system. And it's anonymous and they can... Autonomous and un- anonymous, I should say. Mm-hmm. And they can you know, do their own thing. They, can meet, they meet with a coach. I know nothing about it. I only know who signs up. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. We have a learning and development curriculum that uh, there are certain... Uh, our trainings that are we do at scale, whether or not that is management 101, leadership training, um, uh, radical kind candor training, mm-hmm. knowing how to give feedback, feedback training, uh, presentation training. You know, so we have the, the uh, trainings we do for everyone, uh, you know, unconscious bias, racism, anti-racism yeah. training. And then you have your niche, very specific training per department or, or per um a skill that you're you're in. So whether or not that's you know Photoshop or learning how to do TikTok and, mm-hmm. and 
ads on uh, Instagram. You know, those yeah. are very niche. Um, hmm. I'm a massive believer because it's true that we're teaching both hard skills hmm. and we're teaching what people would call soft skills, which yeah. I call you know necessary life skills. Hmm. Hmm. I am convinced and I know that that is something that that we teach so you know empathy 101 yeah these are just these are important we want to look at the whole person and we want to develop the whole person why wouldn't we yeah yeah, I think majority of the corporates are far, far from it. I mean, I'm just thinking back to my corporate years. Um, uh, no such thing existed. I'm not sure if, if it is now. But, you know, everybody's there to, I mean, or let's say there are programs there to train you for hard skill. Let's say you you want to become a project manager and they may send you on a project management course or something, yeah. right? But yeah. the, but the soft skills, like you t- spoke about, the life skills that we as human uh, need to learn and not to become better, not only to become better at what we do, but also if we're aspiring to be a leader um, yeah. uh, in the market. Yes, of course. I, it's so important. I don't, I mean, there's enormous uh, amounts that you can learn from osmosis and learn by, from example, and learn, you know, by watching someone who's an inspiration to you. But there's real, you know, practical on the ground, on the job training that one needs um you know you know i don't think we just like learn self-awareness you live <laughs> into self-awareness by yeah. you know studying yourself yeah yeah you know working with working with people that are having inquiry into you yeah absolutely and and, and i think actually i personally think that coaching should be part of you know life coaching should be part of every single organization it should be it should be part of the you know the training manual for all of them it is a necessary skill completely agree and i really think that is the new face of human resources i really do i i even posted something about it last night i think on linkedin it's just essential hmm yeah, absolutely. Now, before today's uh, live, I asked a couple of online communities that I'm in if they had any burning questions they wanted me to ask you. So here's one from Kira from the Peak Community. Um, she wants to know that more and more job seekers these days feel that they are much more than and different from what the job markets offer. How do you create jobs for such people? Well, I, I think it's, I'm, I'm trying to, I, I really want to reverse engineer that question. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you create jobs for those people other than you and your organization see a need for different roles that don't require, you know, such, you know, this skill, this skill, this skill. So jobs, for example, that are, that are, are a little bit more ambiguous and jobs, for example, that might be in the creative realm or the strategic realm where you're Mm. studying human behavior. Mm. Uh, And so you might not necessarily need to have someone who is, um, you know, a pro at Photoshop, but they really understand human behavior and they want to, uh, in the advertising world, really come up with some incredible concepts and campaigns to reach certain consumers out in the world. So Mm. I, I don't think it's necessarily, you know, you're, you're at the end of the day, you're a business. So you need to, do things that are going to benefit your business. Mm. And then you find those people who are not cookie cutters Mm. and you bring them in. Okay. So uh, while we are talking about this, what is your recruitment process then? How do you check for the culture fit? Is it the first priority or the last? 
So we hire for skill set fit and culture addition. That's a big change I made when I took the role five years ago. Uh, rather than just doing culture fit, which culture fit is great. You know, you want to be on a Greyhound bus with someone for six hours and talk mm-hmm. about surfing and Pearl Jam. That's fantastic. But at the end of the, you know, so you get a lot of people that like each other. But at the end of the day, you really need to be hiring for what it is that's going to propel your business and your client's business forward. So we hire for skill set fit, culture addition. And the skill set fit means that we are, uh, you know, there's a job description that we put out there. And we're looking to ensure that not only can you do the job, the skills of the job, but then the culture addition is that you bring us some different kinds of values. You bring us a different kind of diversity. And I mean, holistic diversity, not just the obvious diversity. You you bring us... um, uh, curiosity and things that we normally, you know, maybe haven't thought about in the 11 years that we've been around. So, um, so anyway, we have a wonderful recruitment team. We do a lot of interview training internally that takes uh, into consideration unconscious bias as well. And, um, uh, what we do is, you know, we have some roles right now called creator roles. The creator roles, by the way, are usually being filled by 19, 20 year olds that are, you know, here hacking TikTok, you know, that are doing yes, it that's right. way, you know, I'm not doing and certainly I know. my kids aren't doing it. <laughs> so that's the kind of role we, we need these types of minds and hearts. And to answer that earlier question, because we have these roles open, there are tons and tons of kids out there, just like your son, hmm. that do that role and then some, and that's how we bring them in. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm just going to quickly take a second to say hello to everybody. Kira is actually online here, the, the one who asked that question. Uh, hey, Kira. Hey, Kaleem. And I think Kira wants to, she's asking, when can we start employing smart kids? <laughs> I guess. Now, yesterday. <laughs> there we go. Um, what's, um, Kaleem is asking, What's one of the biggest struggles that companies face when trying to scale a culture of empathy? Um, I think you, companies get in their own way. <laughs> you know, when you're to scale empathy, A, it needs to come from the top. B, you need to empower every single person to be part of the spreading and the scaling of empathy, of kindness, of compassion, of gratitude, of patience, of you know, being the bigger person in every situation. As anyone that enters VaynerMedia goes through a four-day orientation process together, whether or not you're in the C-suite, you're a junior copywriter, whatever it is, you're together for four days. In that first day, they're getting an hour with me when I'm saying to them, hey, guess what? You are now just as responsible for this culture as I am. Mm. They have ownership. You know, they understand. They know that they've come into a culture where we... Uh, we pride ourselves on being good people, on being kind people, on being um, empathetic and collaborative people. That's why they're coming here, one of the reasons. So yeah. by giving them ownership uh, to to then be that kind person, that scales it right there. But you have to get out of your way. You have to have this, you know, blessed and actioned by the top. Yeah. And yeah. So- one that knows who my boss is i mean that's what he's all about yeah yeah and and i guess uh, youngsters starting 
um, there, it gives them such a good foundation as well. But then, you know, what also ha- might happen, I'm not, I mean, you could probably t- speak more about it, is that when, if they start their career with VaynerMedia and maybe, I don't know, six, seven years later, they go on somewhere else and they find out, oh my God, the culture is like totally not the priority here, you know, and our empathy, it does not exist. And they, it might just, you know, m- might not work out for them at all. And actually, might take them downhill. Well, what has what the experience been? Well, that's funny. I mean, that's really, really a funny one because you know, people like I was just saying, people want to to be at VaynerMedia for a variety of reasons. A lot of the time, not only is it because of the great culture that we have, but it's also that we are, you know, we're ahead of the curve. I mean, we're doing things that we have a very different approach to advertising. Yeah, that other companies have, you know, we're an independent company. We're basically, you know, it's, it's, it's Gary's world. Yeah. You know, that's fantastic because we are there because we believe now there are people that are going to leave VaynerMedia because they get another job because they want to do something different. You know, that that's up to them. I mean, that, that just happens. Yeah. Tell you that eight out of 10 people that leave write us emails and want to come back. (laughs) That's what what I thought. So, So it's a, it's pretty amazing to get those emails that basically say like, Hey, I thought the grass was greener, Yeah, but I'd love to come back, you know, and, and then we, you know, we go through that process. Yeah. Lee agrees. He says, I agree fully leadership must be driven, supported and role modeled from the top. Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. That's, That's the way it can really be action. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, Claude, I can't pretend to know all about you as a person. So what should I ask you that I didn't know enough to ask? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, I guess, you know, um, probably why is this work so important to me? Mm-hmm. That's probably a big one that um, that I I talk about here and there. And I probably think it's, it's um, obvious, but it might not be obvious. Um, you know, I think other questions that, that are always interesting is like, you know, how long did it take you to find your calling or mm-hmm. how many times have you failed? Okay. Yeah, uh, let's, let, let's go with that. <laughs> which one? Yeah. Have, you know, how long did it take you to find your calling? Yeah. So I've, I've always been this person. I've always been that kind of like that, that, that player coach, you know, champion of people, mentor. I wanted to be a psychotherapist. So I really, as I mentioned in the beginning, I'm really all about uh, the magic of humans mm-hmm. and what's possible. I um, graduated college at 28. I really, I spent a lot of time not in college and, and, and learning about myself and learning about different psychologies and um, uh, spiritualities. And so when I finally got into the working world, it was 1998 and I was in San Francisco and I got straight into the world of, you know, digital online. This is pre-Facebook, pre-Google. And I had a phenomenal career in content, in, in marketing and advertising. And at the core of me, though, what really made me happy was working with teams, hmm. building resilient teams and collaborating and, you know, jamming together and, and finding right together. Uh, and at some point, I was no longer interested in the business of advertising. I was no longer interested in, you know, whether or not this was yellow, blue, mm-hmm. or black. It didn't matter to me. 
Mm. Um, and, and almost like the loyalty of a consumer didn't matter to me, but what mattered to me is the teams that put that together. So I had had that calling a long time ago uh, when I was at a very large agency living and working in London, but I pushed it aside because, because as I say, advertising was very good to me. Mm-hmm. Once I went to VaynerMedia and was working with Gary a year into my career, that's when I was done. And that's when I knew, and I said to him, I only care about people. I only care about the heartbeat of this place. And that's when I made an enormous pivot to only lean in a thousand percent on doing this for a living. And had we not created this role, I would have probably started my own coaching uh, mm. company. And because it's, it's, you know, it's magical to me. This yeah. is what you want to do. So you, you just knew at that time that this is it. The time is now. Yes, um, the yeah. time is now. I uh, I didn't want to waste another minute not doing what lights up my soul. I just didn't want to waste another minute. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, Claude, as you know, this particular series we are delivering uh, is called Impact 2.0. Could you share with our viewers and listeners maybe a story or a moment or an encounter that had a profound impact and changed the course of your life? Yeah, sure. Uh, Other than meeting Gary? <laughs> I would say I would go back to when I was 19. It's an experience yeah. I talk about often, which is my outward bound experience. I, um, I did not have a lot of options for myself when I was getting out of high school. In fact, I, I really, hindsight is twenty twenty, but I wasn't prepared to go to college. In fact, yeah. I, I was on the waiting list. Um, I applied to many colleges. I was declined rejected. And then I got right. on one college <laughs> I ended up going to. Um, after my sophomore year, it was very apparent that I just wasn't ready for that type of institution. And, uh, and I left. And I was kind of going nowhere fast. Um, and I told my parents that I needed to go find the longest outward bound mm. course. And I ended up finding a 93-day outward bound wilderness leadership course, which trained me um, to become a, a leader in the wilderness, to be able to lead people, you know, with a backpack and a, and a tarp. You started even. very early on on this journey in a way. I started, I started early. Thank, thankfully, I started early. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that was 93 days. I was the only young person, young girl, young woman, and I was with nine young men for 93 days. We yeah. literally were, a- we, we were able to take a shower Every 18 days. Oh, crap. <laughs> yep. And I mean, you know, that means if you found a lake to go swimming in, you were lucky. If you, and yeah, I'm not, there's no toilet paper out there. I mean, and that was the first time on that trip that I heard the word, the term servant leadership. All right. And it really changed my life. It, it made me really reassess the path I was going down, uh, which, as I said, I was going nowhere fast. And, you know, upon completing and graduating from that course, I was a different person. I knew that I had leadership qualities, and I really just wanted to serve and wanted to do service. That was it. Oh, wow. It was a super pivotal moment. I, I yeah. spoken a lot about it in different uh, areas. And mm. during that time, it was 1980. Uh, uh, 19, I don't remember what it was. Maybe it was 1991. It was the Loma Linda earthquake in San Francisco, which I watched 
during my first 18 day, the first time I got to, to take the shower, I was in a hotel room. I was drying my hair in the World Series, Baseball World Series on TV. And the San Francisco Giants playing the Oakland A's and the earthquake hit. And wow. I watched it happen on camera. And it really, that well, was like the start of my trajectory towards mm-hmm. being of service and, and wanting to spend my time that way. Wow. So it seems like it's like you always were on this path. It's just that you, it, instead of a straight path, you just zigzagged yeah. and eventually. I'm a zigzagger. Yeah, I'm a zigzagger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's no straight line. There is, there yeah, is, no there is line. A, actually no one's life is a straight line, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, there's no straight line. Um, and I was really, and I'm happy that there is no straight line because yeah. I never would have, I never would have survived a straight line. <laughs> and I think life would be a little boring if, you know, if, if, it, if it was a straight line. Yeah, predictable. Predictable, isn't it? We love unpredictability. <laughs> All right. Okay. Now um, I know we're coming up towards the end of this groovy chat. Uh, so before I ask you to share a challenge with our viewers and listeners, I would like to ask you one more hypothetical question, okay. which is if you had a hundred million dollars to spend on making a meaningful impact in the world, how would you spend it? Uh, a couple of ways. I love that question. First mm-hmm. and foremost, I would really, um, I would give a lot of my money to um, to shelters where uh, women are escaping and trying to heal from domestic violence. That's the first thing I would do. I uh, I would ensure that you can see where my heart is. I would ensure that every single child mm-hmm. has food. Every single child has food to eat. Yeah. And I would probably, with that said, I would probably create some kind of um, home. Maybe it's more of like a kibbutz, like a <laughs> home where there was, um, uh, you know, gardening, farming that people could live on the land, grow their own food. Yeah. You know, I want to and sustain uh, themselves, sustain themselves, and and you know, learn in a different way because I think so much knowledge happens outside of the um, uh, school. Yes. Living. So really, I want to save the world. I want to take away people's pain and shame. Yeah. And and I'm a, you know, I'm a people's person. Yeah. I mean, I'm a a Wolverine. Like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's a good analogy. So I want, I I want to feed people. I want to give people safety Hmm. and get them out of, pain yeah so you want to protect them i yes i want to protect them and then send them on their way so that they can go scale the message yes yes absolutely create mini clods mini clods everywhere wherever they want to be but i i um, (laughs) am on a mission to bring more tenderness into this world oh absolutely remove fear it's a huge one for me Mm. Um, and you know, today is world, uh, world kindness day. All right. <laughs> so I think, you know, you're going to ask me about the challenge in a moment and you can imagine what my challenge will be. All right. So let's get into this. All right. So it's that time of the interview for us. And you may be thinking, what is it? Gossip time or share the fun pickup lines time or tell an embarrassing joke time. Unfortunately, we're not that type of a show. Not yet. Anyway. 
But what it is time for is the 48-hour challenge time. So, Claude, this is where I ask you to share what is that one thing that our viewers and listeners can implement in the next 48 hours that doesn't cost an arm and a leg or requires a large team to execute it? Yeah, it doesn't cost anything. <laughs> you can get on this platform. You can get on your text messages. You can get on Twitter. And you can text or reach out to five people. And I'm just talking five people today and tomorrow, yeah. 48 hours, to tell them that you are thinking of them. You don't want anything from them. I'm thinking of you. That's it. I'm thinking of you. I'm sending you love. Simple. Big hugs. Uh, whatever it is, spread kindness, spread love, spread compassion. That's yeah. it. That's it. Simple and easy. Now, now, nobody can say we can't do it. We didn't have the time for it. You've heard her. You've heard Claude. Okay. Sure. Especially once on the now. Do it now. Do it now. Do it now. Do it now. Exactly. Exactly. Do it now. Yeah. Yes. Kaleem, Kira, everybody. I, <laughs> Sumbul, Amy, everybody. Yes. Lee. Amber, yeah. back to you. Back to me as well. <laughs> All right. All right. So for those of us uh, watching us live today, I heart you. I really do. Thank you. These lives wouldn't be fun without your support. So I'm truly grateful um, for for your presence. And for more bite-sized takeaways of these conversations, you can um, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Um, The link for which, if I do have it, yes, it is here. Um, Now, Claude. Where can your fantabulous viewers and listeners find you or follow your content? All right. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find yeah. me on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, You're pretty yeah. vocal on LinkedIn. Uh, you can go to my website, claudesilver.com. And yeah, reach out. Tell me yeah. what's going on in your life. Well, what about uh, Instagram? Are you active on Instagram? Yeah. yeah. In LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter. Those are the places that I'm yeah. most active. Um, uh, but I would say LinkedIn's probably the biggest. But Instagram's the prettiest, right? Yeah, yeah, it's the prettiest. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Alrighty. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining. Thank, thank, thank you, thank you, everybody, and Claude. Thank you so much. I know you said you've got to, you've got to go and um, have a chat with uh, Gary. So do say hi to him for me as well, please. I will. <laughs> well, everyone, thank All you. Right. Thank to you for now. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.